The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. If you're experiencing life, and we know you are, you may have a variety of questions about relationships, family issues, personal goals, coping with the unexpected, and much more. Today, you will hear some answers from a psychological perspective, and you may just take away something that fits. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Welcome to Psych Up Live. I'm your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips, and on this show, we're going to turn up the psychological perspective on life issues. As the former host of Psych Up on Casozo Radio, I joined with terrific guests to host 73 shows. This show is different. This includes you in the conversation. This is Psych Up Live. I welcome you to listen in and call in with a question or comment at one 866 472 5788. Today we're going to be speaking about a topic that doesn't get enough attention, male friendships. Our guest expert is Dr. Jeffrey Greif. Dr. Greif is a professor at the University of Maryland School of Social Work and the author of more than 125 journal articles, book chapters, and 12 books. Recent books include Two by Two, Couples and Their Friendships, and the book we're going to discuss today, a terrific book, Buddy System, Understanding Male Friendships. Dr. Greif, welcome to Psych Up Live. Thank you, Suzanne. So let me ask you, you've done so much writing. Um, What prompted you to write this book? I've done a lot of writing on what I call vertical relationships, parent-child intergenerational relationships, and I became interested about 10 years ago in trying to study more of the horizontal relationships, the friendships, the social networks that people uh, construct and that people need to stay happy and to stay healthy. And we find that historically psychotherapists have looked more vertically, and I believe we need to start to look more horizontally and appreciate both the families of orientation from which we hail, but also the families of our of origin. I'm sorry, the families of origin from which we hail, but also the families of orientation that we construct for ourselves. Hmm. So I thought it was time to begin to look um, in greater depth at how men do this. How do we make our friendships, how do we keep them, and what happens if we lose them, how do we get them back? Hmm. So what would you say about um, men and their friendships? How do they make, how do most men make their friends? A lot of things happen in childhood, and because I was studying adult males, uh, men 21 to 90, I was looking across the lifespan, and you tend to make friends in school that you hopefully will keep throughout your life. 
especially if those are good friends and they're healthy friends. There's a lot of emphasis in the early years on friendship. A lot of kindergarten, first grade evaluation forms talk about friendships uh, that children are able to make, how social they are. Parents often will ask their child when they come home from school, did you make any friends today? Right, right. So we have embedded in our society this expectation that friendships are going to be made. Now, men tend to construct these more on shoulder-to-shoulder relationships, and women tend to engage more in face-to-face relationships. We can talk about that later, but the boys are going to make it on the playground more and playing sports, and the girls historically are going to make it by communicating uh, effectively face-to-face. So by the time we get to, and I know you you interviewed over 400 men for um, this book and even a number of 100 or so women, so by the time we get to folks 21 and over, when you ask these men, how do you define a friend and what are the kind of things you do with friends, what kind of answers do you get? The men define a friendship as somebody who is understanding of them, someone who has their back, someone who listens, someone who is supportive. The major responses given were somebody who is encouraging me, someone who will be there to help me, someone who will listen to me, and someone who will give advice. There were other answers given, uh, someone who will loan me money, someone who will help me with my home and car maintenance. (laughs) But I think it's more about the supporting and listening and giving advice are what uh, friends have found uh, that have, men have found that have helped them with friends. But they want friends to be loyal to them. They want friends to be dependable. And men want friends who will have their back. When they talk about having the back, having their back, they want them to have a back when they are both in the room with them in front of other people and will stand up for them if they are not there. So I think that having that back issue is a really important piece. So it's dependability, loyalty, and somebody who will have their back sort of help protect them. And that can be a throwback to the, the caveman issue of let's go out and hunt together and I'll protect your back and you protect my back. What I think is so interesting and almost a bit surprising, um, and, and I, I love listeners to weigh in if they have an opinion on this, is I think there's a stereotype when we think about men friendships that it is almost all around what they do. They're either fishing together or they're bowling or they're um, watching sports together. And so the notion of them sharing and talking um, is really less, doesn't come up so much. And yet you're saying these men were talking about people giving them advice, etc. Yeah, and you, you did mention Suzanne sports. I think that's a really important thing to emphasize. When we ask men what they do with each other, uh, sports comes out by far as the activity answered most often, which we can talk about later, can lead to a man that is not into sports, either as a participant or as a spectator, having a difficulty time uh, making friendships. But they said almost 80% of the men said that they get together with their friends and do sports. They talked about going out together to party, to drink, to hit the bars. Some go out to lunch and dinner with their friends. 
Um, so it's a society that is really well constructed for men that fit into the stereotypical men stuff, but if you are one of those men that don't feel comfortable in those areas, you're going to struggle more to make new friends when you move to a new city, maybe struggle more when you go to college, maybe struggle more as your older friends uh, die out and you are trying to make new friends. Mm. I, I think that, and I have heard men say, I'm not into sports, and that's the currency that you need to open a conversation. And I guess it does take time, and men having the opportunity to kind of be in situations with men who might prefer to talk about whether it was research or politics, religion, or whatever, that gives them currency and gives them an opportunity to speak. I think you did find that the second most chosen activity men did with each other was communicating. Am I right on that? Yeah, yes. so so that it, it seems that one way or another, although women doubt this, men do speak. They just do it, I think, differently than women do. Yes, I think that goes back to my earlier comment about we tend to get together and do shoulder-to-shoulder things. I'll call up a guy and say, do you want to come over and watch sports? Do you want to get together and do something? Shall we work on the car together? And I think that is where the communication, though it's not as in-depth maybe in the same way that women think of in-depth conversations, it is still a conversation and it's still a form of communication. I may be comfortable with a guy coming over and we're watching the game together and we never talk about anything that is emotional, but I know he's there and I consider him a friend. And my wife might say, did you talk about the fact that he and his wife are breaking up or that they're having problems. And I'll say, no, that never came up. And sort of stereotypically, a woman might think, well, that's not really a friendship. But men construct their friendships in different ways than women. And sometimes, in fact, even may escape the emotional press that women put on them in order to have some quiet time with their men friends just doing things and not so much communicating face-to-face. I, I having raised sons, I would say that's true. Um, with, with teenage boys, you you learn that if they tell you something, they'll have to kill you. So you don't hear <laughs> you don't hear many things. But men, men accept this of each other. You know, one one other difference is women never stop speaking to their friends, and they'll share. And women worry more. I wonder. I, I put this out to you and, and the men listening. I don't think men worry about the friends they have, even if they don't keep up with them for a while. They can, they'll say, I met an old buddy. Uh, Now, a woman's thinking, I met so-and-so, but why hasn't she called me in all these years? Or if women are with other women, they're having a good time, but they might worry, did I come on too strong? Did I give too much advice? Was she too quiet? I don't think men do that kind of second-guessing and worrying. It's like what you see is what you get. You're absolutely correct. Men do not obsess over that kind of relationship as much as do women. And when I was uh, doing the research and I had a number of women interviewers helping me interview men, I sort of said to them at one point, it looks like the bad news for women who are interested in a relationship with a man is that when it's over, it's over, and you're not going to be able to sort of massage the relationship as much <laughs> as you might w- with a, w- a woman friend. 
It's interesting. Well, what what that brings to mind is if a man, well, first of all, I don't, I think men don't sweat the small stuff with each other. If someone's mad at someone, whatever, they might mouth off and then they're together shooting hoops. So then they're, it's fine. Um, That's not true with women, we know. And listen, I love how verbal women are, um, but I think, I wonder when a man does really have a rift with another man, does that, is that it? Is there very little repair? Do men lose friends and not go back for them in a way that women might? Again, it's difficult to make a comment about all men, but I think right. um, some of what I learned from some of the men that, that were interviewed is that, yes, when it, it's over, it's over, and they don't want to spend the emotional time in trying to work to get that friendship back. Once you do something bad to me, it's over, is part of the mantra for some of the men. Now, we need to get into the conversation that there are also a lot of downsides to the way that men construct their emotional lives. This is, it's important to say that there are some benefits and some strengths in this, but there also are, of course, um, some risks in not being able to engage in the gray of life, in the emotional ambiguity of life, in the ambivalence that is normal in, in relationships. And it's interesting to think about how any of us evolves. I wonder if I'm more comfortable with ambivalence now at my age than I was 10 or 20 years ago, because I see it. And I wonder if I had used an ambivalence lens a number of years ago when writing the book, if it would have turned the findings in a different direction. Hmm. So this is capturing something in time that uh, hopefully all of us in thinking about our relationships are going to be evolving as we, we think about relationships. But I don't want the conversation to get away from the fact that this is the way men effectively construct relationships, but there also can be some downsides to how men construct their relationships. Well, with the uh, thinking about men and how they evolve over the lifespan, I wonder if you'd mention that very important formulation that you came up with, and we'll continue to discuss it, for men's friendships over time and the sort of categories men sort of might put their friends in. Yes, I found that it was kind of a neat way to come up with a uh, series of categories that actually rhyme. So one's closest friends are their must friends, people I must call if I win the lottery or something catastrophic happens to me. I need to get to these guys within the first 24 hours, if not sooner. And that is what, that is who many men would consider their inner circle of of friends who they have to call, they have to touch base with. In the next circle, which is actually a wider circle, are trust friends. Obviously, rhymes with must. So you have your must, but your trust friends, people who you know, people who you really like. You may see them at parties. You may hang out with them, and you really enjoy them. And if maybe they or you had more time, they would become closer, but it just isn't going to happen because of the way lives are constructed, but you admire them, and they admire you. Then you have people that are acquaintances who are just friends and nothing more than that. You know them. Uh, maybe you see them at work. Maybe you see them around the club or the gym or wherever you go and spend your leisure time. And they're people who you know, but 
you don't care about them a great deal, though you're interested in them. And finally, there are rust friends, your old friends, that can maybe be in the trust or the must or the just category, but they're guys you see at your, your high school reunion. And maybe when you're 50 and you go back for a high school reunion, you're drawn back to the way you were at 18 and you fall back into old patterns. And sometimes rust friends are the ones a lot of men want to keep throughout life. They want their childhood friends to be with them throughout. And that can be a great source of support as long as and I caution this in the book, men at my age and older need to stay open to making new friends because old friends are going to die off, move away, you're going to move away, and it's important to be open to making new friends, people who can get to know you as you are in your 60s or 70s and not just always have to grab you and pull you back to when you were 16. Yeah, the the wonderful trade-off is, and of uh, men in the family do this, is connecting with those old Rust friends is is such a wonderful uh, reliving of the old bonds and whatever the particular sport or activity is. But it's very interesting. The other side of that is often people have people locked in time. So, you know, you may be running for senator, but if they saw you as the guy who never quite got it right or they were always teasing and men tease more than women, they're right. still doing that. And, and many men enter into that with good spirit. But it's an interesting, it's an interesting catch-22 that you both want to grab the old days, but it wouldn't be so bad to be seen for who you are at the moment. And maybe actually that's where making new friends could come in also. You know, Jeff, we're going to take a brief break. Um, you've been listening, folks, to Psych Up Live with myself, um, host Suzanne Phillips. And our guest is Dr. Jeffrey Greif, the author of The Buddy System, Understanding Male Friendships. We'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus, creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson, in The Sea Around Us, said, All at last, return to the sea, to Oceanus, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. The schizophrenia community faces tough challenges every day. 
The community includes individuals living with schizophrenia, their partners, parents, children, siblings, friends, neighbors, co-workers, and also their providers of health care and social services. To hear Dr. Gordon Atherley introduce members of the schizophrenia community who are sharing their experiences, tune in to Schizophrenia Community Radio every week, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up. We're here speaking with Dr. Greif about male friendships. Dr. Greif just delineated a kind of formulation that he that he came up with having interviewed hundreds of men, that men have friends that are must friends. They must stay connected. They have friends they trust to get them somewhere if they had to. God forbid they needed a ride to a medical procedure. They have rust friends, friends from the old days that they carry with them, that they sometimes see once a year or maybe more. And then they have just friends, friends that are more a function of maybe context. Um, That is, people working with you in an office. I know one thing, um, Jeff, that you mentioned that I thought was really true is that sometimes a just friend, like if you are in if you're in college and this is your roommate and neither of you know what to do and you're both a little panicked, you're freshmen, those just friends become like must and trust friends. And that's true in the military. I mean, often you are in a context where a person is sharing an experience with you. And I imagine we can move right up the ladder with the type of friend they become. Right. I think you're raising a very good point that, of course, most of our must and trust friends started out as just friends, and then things happened and our lives got more more intertwined, and you might easily drop friends. If, I, if I'm a new father, I'm going to be seeking out other dads that are also new fathers, and we're going to sort of be... Um, in the uh, in in the trench of fatherhood together. In fact, the Greek philosopher Aristotle said that in order to have a close friend, you need to share salt with him or her. In this case, him, and he was referring to a shared difficult experience, like being in the foxhole, like being a, a, a mm. new dad, or like being a, a parent who is raising a, a child that has a, a challenge. That's one of the ways that you become friends, according to Aristotle. Aristotle also said that you can't have too many friends, that friendship requires so much from somebody that you don't have space in your life for too many friends. And he also said that you can only be friends with a peer. 
So it's interesting to think about what he was saying back in ancient Greece and how much of his formulation, I think, holds true today, too, that um, really most of us uh, have trouble being friends with the boss or with somebody who is, is far down the ladder from us, and we tend to travel uh, with friends that we consider are, are equals, and those tend to be really uh, very meaningful friendships. That's a really good question. I mean, I wonder what our listeners think of that. I, 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 I'm thinking right now, and I do think you may feel welcomed in and very complimented when someone who's um, above you or someone who you greatly respect terms as a friend. But somewhere often the, you know, the hierarchy remains very, very clear on some level to you, maybe to the other. But that's that's a really interesting point about peers and certainly sharing salt. Uh, some people can call it trauma bonds, but there right. are some people who they, they, that's never going to go away. And you can call them up 20 years later and you're back uh, because, because of what you faced together. And usually it was something formative in terms of your life experience or your own personality or future friendships. You know, you... Uh, um, one of the things that, that we mentioned, we were talking about is in terms of developing friendships, who has the greatest influence um, on a male child? Um, does, does, does the father, the mother, siblings, what did you find? That's a really good question, and it's a little hard to ferret out. Men tend to be, as boys, exposed to women much more, both in the home and also in schools. There are many more single moms than there are single dads, and there are many more women in in kindergarten teaching positions and in elementary school teaching positions. So boys' exposure is going to be uh, greater to the influence of women, and they women obviously model uh, making making friendships by their interactions, both with the child and with their peers. That being said, as we know from a lot of communities where men are not as present as they could be, or other communities where fathers historically, though not as much anymore, are spending more time outside of the the home, that there's a great, uh, I guess I'll say, hunger for exposure to a man's influence. We did find that um, in the interviews that we asked specifically more about fathers than than mothers, and we focused a little more on fathers. And we asked if um, the man thought his father had many friends, and about forty five percent, almost half. Uh, said that they thought their father had a lot of friends, 25% they had a few friends, and a little bit over 25%, up to 30%, said that they thought their father had no friends. So it, it's interesting to think about the the time, of course, too, um, right. um, in, in which this was going on. But if you're raised in a family and you think your father has no friends, that may make it more easy for you to, in turn, have no friends, or it may give you um, no role model to follow in how to establish a friend. So that lack can 
push you in a direction of really wanting to have friends and saying, my father didn't do it, I want to make sure I do this, or it may be saying, my dad didn't have it, that's just the way, I guess, my line of males is constructed in this family. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because I do think we have to establish there are are some people who will always need lots of friends and others who simply don't and, and won't. But sometimes I've heard men say, but the man next door was terrific and he started um he did he was a carpenter and i started watching him and very often there are what we call i call second chance family other Mm -hmm. folks along the way who become models for for boys or or girls for that matter but often for boys if there isn't a dad or the dad is very different in personality than the youngster yeah and i think you're raising suzanne a great point that we throughout life need to stay fairly open to learning from others and seeing what we can pick up that may be helpful to our own growth. And that's a perfect example of what you said. If I didn't have a carpenter dad and I see somebody else doing it, it's a real rich opportunity for me to connect with that father figure who's really a a peer, but it can also help me to fill in some of the pieces that I think might be missing in my own psychological or emotional makeup. Mm-hmm. Mm. The reason I, I had a personal thought that I think dads or men or, you know, f- who, who step in as dads may have more influence is that unlike, let's say, teen girls or even school age girls, school age girls say to their mother, this is what she said. And every detail of what happened with the four other girls is shared. The mother knows this this kind of experience, so the mother's right in there with her opinion or whatever. You don't get that information. That information is not shared to mom by most boys. Um, now, I think siblings share with each other. I think uh, often maybe dads, but I think what's observed with fat fathers um, as you ask them the question, probably is most poignant and important in terms of male friendships. Yeah, and then, of course, we can talk about, because we're talking back about boys, about what are boys taught in order to, to survive in school, about, about how to compete with each other as opposed to how to cooperate. Now, again, school curriculums are changing, and there's been a, a lot of great stuff going on in many schools about working cooperatively and not competitively to try and get ahead, but there's still going to be a parent or grandparent floating around who's going to maybe hand down the old forms of, of socialization in some form, uh, which a, a boy could hear too. So I think it's going to take us a few generations before boys learn that they don't have to always compete, that they don't have to be stoic. It's okay to talk about feelings if they want to, just as it's going to be okay for women to not have to talk about feelings if they don't want to, and right. to not and to, and right. to not paint paint a, a woman in a corner because she is is acting the way whatever stereotypically we think uh, a man is acting if she is is presenting with, with some of, of those characteristics and a man is presenting the stereotypical characteristics of women that we don't you know mm. paint them into a corner that from which they can't escape very well said you know when i read some of the stories of the men and it's so it's so interesting the book is very very interesting it seemed um 
Jeff, like a difficult time for men were the early marriage childbearing years, thrilling, and but men are juggling jobs, as often the wives are too, jobs, babies, uh, very little time for socializing. So let's talk a little bit about how marriage and childbearing changes the landscape on friendships for men. Sure. What happens is, and others have written about this too, that there's sort of a a double curve that friendships are really important to men when they're in their teens and in their uh, pre preteens and then into their early 20s. But once they partner, and just for ease of conversation, we'll assuming that they're partnering with a, a woman, they then have to focus on their marriage to the woman and the roles they're going to play with her. They're going to maybe be changing their behaviors in terms of how they they socialize, which they may not have to do as much if they're partnering with a, a man. Uh, mm-hmm. Our book focused primarily on on heterosexual men, though there are some case studies of, of gay men in the book, too. And then the mm-hmm. importance of friendship seems to go down when children come into the family and when people are trying to establish a work life, when they're trying to establish a relationship. And it's not until the kids uh, grow up and reach their teens and don't want fathers or mothers in their face anymore that, and maybe that the man's career is more settled, that the man then turns back to wanting to have male friendships because he has more time. And maybe the woman, his mm-hmm. wife, has a, a lot of friendships too, and she doesn't um, necessarily want to spend all her time with, with her husband but wants to maintain her outside friendships too. So that's when friendships become important again as men reach their, their 50s, 40s and 50s, mm-hmm. and they have much more time on their hands. I think some of your, your the folks in your book Talk about making use, as you said, be context. So they start socializing by bringing their family of young children and their spouse um, um, together with other families, and and that would go for um, heterosexual, homosexual couples. But that there's more. There's so much to do and so much responsibility that the socializing and friends become a function of other people who are facing similar things. People make friends on soccer fields or basketball games, that becomes often a bridge to friends because there really is not much less time to um, play sports again with the, old, with the guys or go out to bars. Right, it, right. Yeah, a few of your men complained about it. I, I would say the majority didn't, though. I don't, what would you say? Yeah, we, we actually got into that a little bit more on the couple's friendship book. The, the hardest thing for a couple is to figure out, and this is gay, straight, lesbian, is to figure out how do I balance time for the couple as a couple? How do I as a, a man have time to be alone? How do I have time to be with the family if we have children? How do I have time to be with my male friends? And how does my wife have time to be with with her female friends. So if it's Monday and we're looking down the calendar and say, oh, we don't have any plans this weekend, and I say to my wife, why don't we call up the Smiths to go out? She may say, well, what's the matter? Do you not want to be alone with me? Or she right, might right. Or, 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 or she might be thinking, well, you know, we could call up the Smiths, but, but guess what? I, I've been working incredibly hard this whole week, and the Smiths are your friends. Let's call up the Joneses, who oh, I'd rather see. So then you have the balance of if you're going to give up your alone time, 
and then maybe I'll say, well, yeah, but I, I want to go off by myself to go for my, my thinking walk or whatever I want to do, or I, I want to go, go play cards one night. How does that fit into this whole whole thing here? And it's just a very difficult balance, and you want to preserve the relationship first, but you also want to preserve time with children and time with parents and cousins and friends. It's just a very difficult balance, and it's important for couples to have a language to discuss that. But the other way into this conversation is to say that some of the men we interviewed and the women we interviewed were concerned about the man's lack of friendships, so that sometimes women engineer relationships in the hope that um, the other couple will have a guy friend for the, the husband. Right. And that's a very interesting issue. I work with many couples that comes up, which is, why am I responsible for his friendships? And or, I'm worried he doesn't have enough. And then we come up to the question of, do men depend on their wives to break ground and them friends, well, friends of the spouse, of, you know, of, of her friend? Um, and I guess this could work type of couple. So... What's interesting is that sometimes the women are very worried, and the men are like, fine, if I like the guy, fine, or I'm not going because I have nothing to say to that man. But many, many men have made friends, and I think it's true of women too, through the couple invitation of their their spouse and um, the spouse's partner. So it is a a viable way to make friends. Yes, absolutely. In in fact, you're you're only going to make friends three ways. The man's going to bring him into the, the couple friendship, the woman's going to bring it in, or you're going to go to school together in relation to having a child at the school and meet people at some school or sporting event or, or church or synagogue or wherever you're, you're going. So th- those are the only three ways for a couple to make friends. It's, it's very interesting. I want to come back. We're going to take a brief break and speak about what happens when... Um, the partner doesn't like a man's friend. I mean, how do I mean do people have a right to kind of get into their partner's friendships? We're gonna take a break. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're here with guest Dr. Bright. He's the author of Buddy System, Understanding Male Friendships. We'll be right back. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. 
the Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Hi, I'm Sam Nussbaum, WellPoint's Chief Medical Officer. We proudly support the March of Dimes mission to improve the health of babies and fight premature birth. We're helping the March of Dimes fund breakthroughs in research and community programs that help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together to provide children with a healthier start in life. Visit marchofdimes.org. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now, back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. I'm here with Dr. Greif. And we, we just posed the question before the break. So what happens when the spouse does not like a man's friends? Um, does he never see them again? Um, when people marry, um, I think both Dr. Graf and I have found often people report their their spouse is their best friend now. So what do we do with the other best friends? Do we give up all friends? Should a marriage do that? What do you think, Dr. Graf? People think they can encourage their significant other, their spouse, to drop friends or to uh, unattached from their family, but that's very difficult to, to happen. So I think that what happens is eventually the man will start seeing his male friend uh, outside of the, uh, of the wife and will have to maintain the relationship. But whenever you get partnered, whenever you get married, or even in college, if you're dating somebody, you're going to put your friends on, on the, the back burner for a while because you don't have as much time for them. And that's, mm-hmm. and that's just, just part of growing up and part of becoming an adult. And it's hard to keep 
friends um, inside a, a close circle if you know that your spouse doesn't want to spend time with them. Um, so it can be a, mm-hmm. a, a struggle, very hard to balance that. Mm. The other thing where I've seen people have some tension is the idea of being someone's confidant. Um, I think um, men often, their wife is their confidant. In fact, one, one listener wrote in and said, do men realize that when they share something with a friend, that friend's going to share it with their wife? Because that, that seems to be, you know, the pillow talk that, that is culturally um, sort of accepted. But often the, the problem comes in when the wife is sharing with many of her women friends and not with the spouse. Now, have you come upon that? Yeah, some of the research says that uh, women are more apt to have a best friend uh, outside of the marriage than are men. While men, of course, have a best friend, often that is not the wife. They they may confide a great deal in their wife. Remember, we've been socialized by by women from a, a very young age, and to go to women for for nurturance and to be competing sometimes with men, and it's hard to let down one's guard and be, be vulnerable with women or with men, but it may be harder to be vulnerable with men for some men. So women are going to go and talk some of their greatest, um, about some of their greatest feelings, some of their greatest fears and hopes with other women, which they also may share with their husband. But men may not find as uh, accepting an ear or feels comfortable sharing some of their vulnerabilities with men friends, so they do share it with their women a little bit more, their their wives one, a little bit more, I should say. What one man told me uh, to the question of would you confide in other men, and he said, "No, not automatically. In fact, I would have to test the water a little bit." At- Time to see if this is someone who I could really trust with confidence. So I think that you're right. There's a there's a bill hesitation uh, about sharing. Whereas you know women can share with a group of women and they're fine with it. In fact, they gain from it. It's just very different. Yeah. Well, you're raising a very good point about about advice in making friends. That um, if you are the kind of person who's male and you want to share a lot, you're going to have to be careful. Because if you share too much too soon, you may be perceived as being high maintenance. And men (laughs) do not like uh, hanging out with other men that they consider are high maintenance emotionally. They want to keep it simple. So for men out there that feel very comfortable sharing their feelings, I think you put your your finger on that pulse very well, they have to sort of gauge the the water to make sure that what they say isn't going to seem like they're they're opening up too much and too quickly because that will scare away guys. Yes, yeah. Uh, Probably many of our listeners would definitely agree with that. And the opposite may be true with females. The female who never shares anything with the other mothers Mm -hmm. is looked at as someone who's judgmental, but, you know, very often, these are folks I know, and they're really just shy. But mm-hmm. that's not how they're read. They're mm-hmm. read as either, you know, stuck up, uninterested, or judgmental, and they're really just shy. So it's so reversed, <laughs> the code, mm-hmm. uh, you mm-hmm. know, when we talk. No matter how much we keep trying to say 
We keep working on um, softening the differences. And I think we have in many ways. There are certain things I think you start your book by talking about brand differences that are reflected in the gender divide. And I think that there's some reality to that. Yeah, there is. Uh, obviously, we're in a society where things are, are, are swiftly changing. I think that and I, I have some new research on this. I think that you know men's roles are certainly changing. Obviously, women's roles are changing as women get more and more into the workplace, as women are in marriages and men in marriages where the woman earns more money than the man. There are a lot of great um, things that are happening all to the benefit, I think, of society because it gives people more choices for how they want to live out their lives and don't does not lock them in as much to a pre-prescribed role that they have to follow. Absolutely. I mean, we have some stay-at-home dads doing fabulous work, and we have women, you know, taking on the corporate world. So I couldn't agree more. And they have um, partners who often are very reinforcing of their positions. I wondered if, if, um, if you were to give men a take-home message, and then you were to give women a take-home message about male friendships what could you offer our listeners? Well, I think for the men and from the voices I heard in doing the research for the book, I'd be encouraging them to go out and make friends, to get involved in activities, to reach out to other people, that it's hard to make friends if you're sitting around waiting for them to come to you. Secondly, and learning again from the men, men like people that are loyal dependable and have their back and also are good listeners and communicate. So those are all things that are important for men to be if they want to uh, make friends and if they want to maintain those, those friendships. For the women, I think it's important to understand that men's friendships are not constructed the same way as women's. It doesn't mean that they aren't good friendships. They just look different. There may be some aspects of male friendships that I wish would change. I happen to be a social worker, so I would like men to be more open and more sharing, but that may not work for all men. So I think we have to get comfortable with the fact that men's friendships are just constructed differently than women's, but they may be as meaningful as women's. Mm. Uh, Terrific. You know, what I would add, and it's probably already in your couple book, is that Once, if you happen to marry or you're in a relationship, use the strengths of each other in terms of bridging friendships. Great idea. Um, Because it often, your your partner is often a compliment to you, and that often expands people's lives in a way they never expected. Maybe they were not athletic, but if their spouse was, they end up meeting some people they never would have crossed you know, fields with. And the reverse is true. They have a very intellectual partner. They meet up with some people they never, ever would have thought they could speak to, and they more than speak to them. So that it's it's to your great advantage, I think, to really utilize the um, the assets of each one uh, in, in terms of couple building. Absolutely. I think that's I think that's very very true. Always look for the for the best in your partner, and if you can draw out the best, she or he will draw out the best in you. Did you find that in older age, folks um, had an easier time making friends? Let's say our seventy five year olds. Um, yeah, I think that what I found with the 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 men and also with the couples that you sort of 
become less judgmental. And if someone is, is there, you don't hold them to as high a standard. If they are nice to your partner or your spouse, you're willing to tolerate more. Among a certain group, there's another group of, I don't have much time left. I'm not going to waste my time with these people who I don't like. I refuse to do this anymore. So it sort of falls into two different uh, camps there. The very accepting, look, it's okay for two hours. I don't care where we go for dinner. It's only two hours. <laughs> to the others, yes. like, I just don't have time for this. Get me out of here. Right. right. My, my experience in assisted livings with, with the folks in the family was, if he can play bridge, I don't care what language he speaks. <laughs> I don't care what he says. Right. He can do this, you know. So it, you're right. It gets people get a lot less fussy. You know, I want to right. thank you, um, Doctor Dr. Ruth, for coming on the show, and um, I'm encouraging folks to buy your wonderful book. And you say they can they can buy your book. How can they get to order some? Go of your to books? Amazon or, or Barnes and Noble or, or any, anywhere else in, in terms of getting it on online. Any of the websites, any of the major websites, will have the book. Okay. Thanks again for your research. Thanks again for coming on Psych Online. Thank you. This was great, Suzanne. Thanks so much. Um, I want to thank our listeners, and please join me next week. Our guest next week, I'm really picking, going to pick up right from this. We have Dr. Mark Berg, Dr. Grant Brenner, and Danny Berry, and they're going to be asking you to consider this question. Are you in a marriage, or are you hiding from intimacy in what they call an ear relationship? Tune in to find out what that's about, and to take a second look at some strategies you might use in your own marriage. Until next week, thanks, folks, and keep listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk more next week. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america variety channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericavariety.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network it's staff and management.